0: Excellent, thank you. I also got to spend some time this week with the kiddos um, in VBS. My name is Brian, I'm one of the pastors here as well. And uh, it was a lot of fun, kids were great. Um, We got to play some games and activities, and of course uh, my highlight was, I mean really, all of our youth helping out. It was fantastic. They did a great job. I had a, a youth that was helping. I, you know, mostly just encouraged him to do all the leading. Uh, he did a great job. So, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, well, uh, I did have some time, uh, other than just spending some time at VBS driving around, uh, and, you know, it's kind of election season. You know, we're going through the primaries. Last week was election, uh, primaries other places. This coming uh, Tuesday is primaries here in Minnesota. And so, I was listening to the radio, and, you know, they want to let me know what's happening. and. I heard about this Hidden Tribes of America uh, report that was kind of interesting to me. Um, So it said this, our research concludes, sorry, I'm going to have to move this, it's weighing it down. Um, Our research concludes that we have become a set of tribes with different codes, values, and even facts. In our public debates, it seems that we no longer just disagree. We reject each other's premises and doubt each other's motives. We question each other's characters. We block our ears to diverse perspectives. At home, polarization is souring personal relationships, ruining Thanksgiving dinners, and driving families apart. We are experiencing these divisions in our workplaces, neighborhoods, groups, even our places of worship. In the media, pundits score points by mocking uh, opponents and talking over each other. And on the internet, social media has become a hotbed of outrage, takedowns, and cruelty, often targeting total strangers. Now the research named a large group of Americans that they labeled the exhausted majority. Maybe you can relate to this. I know I certainly do at times. Maybe you're tired of the division and the cruelty that takes place in our world, particularly in our country. Well, God has a lot to say about how we relate to one another. And we're in the book of James this month uh, and into next uh, month a little bit. And James has a lot to say about how we relate to one another. So we're going to look at that. We're going to be in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. Uh, James is a book that's most likely written by Jesus' brother. uh, So he would know quite a few things. It's considered wisdom literature. So it doesn't have like one main point that James is trying to communicate to us. Instead, it has sort of a lot of proverbs or teachings. In fact, there are kind of roughly 12 teachings on faith and action. So how does our faith, if we believe in God, impact the way that we live? And in this case today, we're going to talk about how does our faith impact the ways that we relate to one another, particularly with our words. So you ready? Let's jump in. James chapter 3 verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I am not a teacher. And you, therefore, I'm kind of off the hook on this one, right? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but there's more to come for you later. Uh, What was happening in the book of James uh, is that there was this great desire to influence others, to have influence in society. But there weren't really any standards that were available or any training that people had to go through or any training that was required. There was no standard that people had to sort of get in order to influence others. So they just sort of said, hey, I'm going to influence people, and they went out and did it. And as I was thinking about that, it sounded eerily familiar to today. Can anybody think of something that we have today? Yeah, social media doesn't require any training. Lots of people just want to sort of tell everybody else what they think. They want to have a ton of followers. Does this sound familiar? Well, this is not a word that's just to teachers, um, and it's not a word to say, don't aspire to be a teacher. I do think it is a word that if you're going to be a teacher, you need to count the cost because you're going to be judged more strictly. James continues in verse two by addressing everyone now. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, or in our case, engines today, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants the ship to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James acknowledges beginning that we all stumble. Okay, that's good. I think most of us are willing to acknowledge that. And if there is one theme that James wants to get across in the book of James, is the sense that James wants our whole lives to be committed to Jesus. And that because our whole lives, our whole bodies would be committed to Jesus, that our actions then would be lived out in such a way that we are consistent with what Jesus wants us to do. So he doesn't want us to live fractured lives. But, of course, James does a great job of identifying the one thing, in fact, probably one of the smallest things in our lives and in our body, that we have a really hard time controlling. It's really hard to control the tongue. And he gives us three metaphors to kind of help us understand how much our words can have impact on others. We have, of course, the bit in the mouth of a horse, We have the rudder of a ship and a small spark that can set off an entire forest fire. And if you aren't still convinced by his metaphors and examples that he gives us, just think about this. Today, one word or one phrase can cause somebody to lose their job. Our words matter. And James is mirroring what Jesus actually said in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 12, he said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the question for us today is, where have your words caused division and disunity and pain for others recently? Just give us a second to think about that. my brothers and sisters this should not be can both fresh water and salt water flow out of the same spring my brothers and sisters can a fig tree bear olives or a grape tree vine bear figs neither can a salt spring produce fresh water james wants our lives to be consistent our whole lives our whole bodies to be consistent and of course this includes our words but the reality is that as humans just as we've been able to tame all sorts of animals we've been able to tame many parts of our bodies but the tongue is hard dare I say almost impossible for us to tame in fact, he says we, pr- we use our tongues to praise God and you will often sometimes, depending on our lives, find us cursing others with that same tongue. And as James says, it was true back then, it's true today, this should not be. We should not praise our Father with our tongue and curse our fellow human. So, getting back to the idea of who, sh- who we should call to be teachers. Should anyone aspire to be a teacher today? In verse 13, James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by their deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such Wisdom, James says, does not come down from heaven but is earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So what James is doing here is he's giving us some clarity around what sorts of character traits would qualify somebody to be a teacher, And it's pretty simple. Two things that he mentions. Number one is wisdom, and number two is humility. Those are the qualifications for somebody who wants to be a teacher or an influencer in our community and hopefully in our society. And if you see these people doing that, if you see them living out wisdom and humility, that's wisdom in action. And of course, James also identifies the opposite of that. He gives us two things, bitterness or bitter envy and selfish ambition or selfishness. Those are the opposite. And of course, if you're desiring to be a teacher, there's a little bit of selfish ambition uh, that lies in there. So James continues and lets us know, if you want to know what wisdom looks like, here it is in verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So wisdom looks a lot like knowing where wisdom comes from. And as Christians, we believe wisdom, all wisdom comes from God. The source of wisdom is God. And then It gets lived out in all these different ways that James talks about. He talks about pureness. He talks about peace-loving, considerate, submissiveness, full of mercy, being impartial and sincere. These are the things, the character traits that we're going to see in people who have wisdom. So we can see it. We can know whether or not somebody is living these things out and whether or not they could or should be called to be a teacher or an influencer. And in short, James essentially said... It's all about being a peacemaker, someone who brings peace and makes peace. Now, in the modern world, we tend to think about peace in terms of the absence of conflict. A lot of us are good at that. We avoid conflict. But in the biblical times, peace and the word for peace has this idea of wholeness, completeness, perfection. And so if we're going to be peacemakers... If we're going to be people who bring peace, we're not just going to be people who avoid conflict. Sometimes we're actually going to create some conflict because that's what it takes to be a peacemaker, to bring completeness, wholeness, perfection in our world. Not that we want to run around being people who are bringing conflict all the time, but sometimes we need to say things that are hard because we love somebody, we care about them, and we're going to say it in a way that's loving and care for somebody because that's bringing completeness, it's bringing wholeness, it's bringing perfection into the world. The problem uh, is that when we curse others with our tongue, or as we so often see in social media, we curse people with our words, we kind of create keyboard warriors out there, we're not living into what God intended for us. When we're cursing people, that's not what God intended for us. And unfortunately, many of us, myself included at times, we, we have become cursing people. We curse others instead of blessing them. And in a world full of cultural warriors, keyboard warriors, and all the other different warriors that are bringing division and disunity in our world, we need people who will be peacemakers in our world. And we want our church to be a church that brings peace, that brings love, completion, wholeness, perfection into our world. And we want to empower people to be teachers and influencers. Something that James warns us about. But we want them to be qualified and tested. And a big part of that involves taming one of the smallest parts of our body the tongue, which, according to James, involves growing in two things, wisdom and humility. Two things that can help us to qualify ourselves and help others become qualified to become influencers in our world. So let's talk about those two. Let's get some ideas on how we can grow, uh, first of all, in wisdom. Wisdom uh, is one of those things that James says comes from above. The source is God. So if we're going to grow in wisdom, we want to grow in our knowledge of who God is. One of the best ways we can do that is reading our Bible, coming to church, getting involved with small group Bible studies that we, where we can discuss these things and learn about who is this God that we're trying to follow, learn about God's character. And then the second thing I think about in terms of growing in wisdom really comes down to the simple ask God for it, Pray. God, I need wisdom. Broadly, I need wisdom in this specific situation. In the first chapter of the book of James, James 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, James tells us, if anyone lacks wisdom, pray and ask God who gives generously. So the source of wisdom is God. We can pray and ask God for wisdom, and God, James says, gives generously. So we can grow in wisdom. So we can get to know God. We can pray for wisdom. But we can grow in wisdom all day. But if it fails to create action in our lives, if it fails to produce a fruit that encourages others and it begins to curse others, it's really just knowledge. Knowledge that puffs up. So the second thing that James really encourages us to do is to grow in humility. So as we grow in our knowledge and our wisdom of who God is, we also need to grow in our humility. So let's talk about a couple different ideas for growing in humility. First idea is simply this. Spend time listening to others. Believe it or not, we have two ears and one mouth. What do you think that tells us? Let's spend some more time listening, a little less time talking. Uh, particularly, I think this is important for us to do with people who are we consider different than us. Whoever them is in your life, we need to seek to understand their position, their ideas, their thoughts, why it is that they do what they do. What are the things that make them think that way? Try to s- seek to understand them so that we can uh, then listen and be humble with our lives want to give you an ex- a specific example of this. So for me, I'm a person who grew up pro-life. I'm still pro-life, uh, pro-life womb to the tomb. And what that means is that I'm not just pro-birth. I don't want anybody to take somebody else's life, no matter what age they are. Okay? But one of the things that I've been doing over the past couple of years is I've been reading and listening a lot. And I've been hearing about how Overturning Roe v. Wade is creating more issues and creating problems for particularly some of our women and children in some of our poorest communities. And so that makes me go, hmm, I don't know what that means for my politics. It's complicated. I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm listening because I want to be humble. I'm still pro-life, but I'm also pro-women and children. I don't know what that looks like. I'm trying to listen. I think the other thing that we can do, other than listening in terms of growing in our humility, is that we can put others' needs and preferences ahead of our own. I'll admit that this is particularly hard for me because I do have a lot of ambition. I don't think you try to plant a church without a lot of ambition. I'll be honest about that. Uh, And sometimes I really enjoy building the kingdom of Brian. It's a (laughs) wonderful place. But I'll tell you that the kingdom of Brian is only so cool for only so long. The kingdom of God is much better. And it, it doesn't have me at the center of it. And so fortunately, I have people in my life that I have asked and that are willing to tell me when I start to put myself at the center of my world and at the center of my ambition. And they point these things out for me, and when they point them out, initially I don't like it. (laughs) But I receive it, and I listen, and I think, okay, what do I need to learn here? And I think uh, for all of us, a question for us to ask is, do you have people in your life that that will tell you when you're not being humble, when you're putting yourself and your selfish ambitions at the center of your life. And then uh, the second question to follow up on that is, are you willing to listen to them? Are you willing to be humble and listen to them? In a world that can seem so divided, we need more peacemakers. And our tongue is one of those things that can make or break a relationship, it can make or break so many things in our world and create so many divisions. And I wonder what would happen if we were a church that were helping create and empower more peacemakers. Not that we would shy away from being influencers and leaders in our world, but that we would be careful that we are putting in place the qualifications of wisdom and humility in place before we send those people out, would we be a church that would be creating and helping to empower more peacemakers. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for the book of James and the ways that it gets under our skin and reminds us that we all stumble and we all need forgiveness we all need grace and Lord as we think about this season that we're in we're in primary season we're headed into a fall election season there is so much division there's so much hatred and cruelty Lord help us to be people who rise above and who with our tongue bring peace and make peace Amen.